Church, are you growing? Are you growing? For an Anglican, in ordinary time, there could not be a more obvious or daunting question to ask. Obvious because this is what ordinary time is all about. After Jesus secured our salvation through his life, death, and resurrection, and after he ascended into heaven and sent his Holy Spirit to indwell the believers, kingdom growth here on earth exploded. The gospel spread. Faith grew. People were transformed. The church expanded over the entire world. This is what ordinary time is about. It's a celebration of and a participation in the expansive work of the gospel message in this world and in our lives. And so are you growing is an appropriate and obvious question to ask ourselves in this season. But it's also a daunting question to consider. Because for most of us, most of the time, our answer to that question may not be very encouraging. We often don't feel like we're growing very much. At least not as much as we'd like to be. You know, when I was a kid, I was physically growing so fast, so much, that I used to lie in bed at night and my knees would just ache. My bones were growing so fast that the ligaments and the joints couldn't keep up with them, and my, my, my legs would just ache at night. I constantly hurt. But now the pains I most often feel associated with growth have to do with the growth that I'm not experiencing rather than the growth that I am. I wish that I was finding regularly more freedom from the flesh, the desires of the flesh, but often I'm not. I wish that I was growing deeper in my desire for God, but it doesn't always feel like I am. I wish that I desired a devotional time every day, but many days I don't. I aim to be more selfless, but often what I am is selfish. I could go on and on and on, straight through the entire list of Christian disciplines and virtues and expectations and the fruit of the Spirit. And I would often be discouraged in my progress in them all. And so while I know that the question, are you growing, is an appropriate one to ask and an important one to ask. I also know that it is often a daunting and discouraging one to answer. Maybe you can relate. If so, why is that the case? And what can we do about it? When I read the New Testament, I see that it is filled with exhortations and expectations that we be a people who change and grow and are transformed into the Christ-likeness of life. But when I look at the church and when I consider my own life, that doesn't often feel like the reality that we are experiencing. So what's missing? Where are we off? 
How can we be a people who, having been transformed by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and having been filled with His Holy Spirit, are ever growing and expanding as Christ's life is lived through us? How do we grow in our faith? It's the question that we're asking this morning. And to answer it, I want us to consider two parables that Jesus taught which address this issue of kingdom growth in our lives. And so if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open it with me to Mark chapter 4 as we consider how kingdom seeds are sown and grown in the life of a believer. Now, the first aspect of how we can grow in our lives of faith is found in, in Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, where, where Jesus tells us the well-known parable of the sower. In this parable, Jesus describes a, a farmer who went out into his fields to sow his seed. And the story highlights how the seed that was scattered fell onto four different surfaces. Some fell onto the path, some fell onto the rocky ground, some seed fell among the thorns, and some seed fell onto the good soil. And depending upon where the seed fell, it had very different outcomes. So the seed that fell onto the path never got into the ground at all because it was immediately eaten by birds. And the seed that fell into the shallow soil, the rocky soil, it grew up quickly, but it had no depth. And so uh, it was scorched by the sun and died off just as quickly as it had begun to grow. The seed that fell among the thorns uh, grew initially, but was ultimately choked out by the thorns that surrounded it and constricted it. And finally, the seed that fell among the good soil grew up and produced a significant harvest. And so the very simple and obvious and easily agreeable point that Jesus is making in this story is that the amount of growth that occurred and the size of the crop that was produced from that scattered seed was dependent upon the type of soil into which The seed fell. This is Jesus' simple and obvious point. Which when applied to our lives. Presents deep and profound implications. And this is what he does next. Because just a few verses later. Jesus explains to his disciples. How this story about growing seeds in the dirt. Is really a story about the growth of the soul's. Of his disciples. And so in verse 19 and following, Jesus explains the parable in light of this deeper meaning when he clarified that the seed that was being sown was the word of God. It's the message of the gospel, of God's work, bringing salvation uh, to the world and the kingdom of heaven to earth through his son. This is the seed. So Jesus is saying that when this word goes forth, seed is being sown. And then he goes on to explain that the four different surfaces onto which the seed landed represent four different types of people. The path represents people who can't receive the word of God. They don't understand it. They can't believe it. They won't accept it. The word never penetrates them at all because as soon as it is sown, the evil one comes out and snatches it away. They never have a chance to grow. 
The rocky soil represents people who receive the word with joy but have no depth or understanding about it. And so as soon as hardship comes, they fall away and their faith fades. Their growth is shallow and short-lived. The thorny soil represents people who uh, have the world, who have the word growing in them, uh, but it gets all tangled up with the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth, so that ultimately the word in them is overcome by the world around them. And then finally, the good soil represents those who hear the word, understand it, receive it, plant it inside of themselves, tend to it, water it, fertilize it, and allow it to grow and mature, and eventually produce a harvest of faith. And so in the end, the point that Jesus is making with this parable is that the kingdom growth in one's life depends upon the quality of the soil of the heart into which the gospel message falls. Which means that this parable isn't ultimately a parable about the sower, though it's titled that. The sower has almost nothing to do with it. The sower is sowing abundantly all over the earth to the ends of the earth. There is plenty of seed to go around. They are sowing indiscriminately anywhere and everywhere onto every type of surface. The growth in this parable has nothing to do with the sower. And it isn't a parable about the seed. That the seed has almost nothing to do with the different outcomes of growth either. The same seed is sown onto each and every type of soil. It's an equal opportunity seed. And so this parable isn't a parable about a sower and it isn't a parable about the seed. Which means that ultimately this parable can only be about the soil. That is the only variable in this story that affects growth. It's all about the soil. Which ought to then cause us to ask ourselves the question, how is the soil of my heart? What is the condition of the soil of my heart? Is it fertile ground for kingdom growth? Or are there hindrances or impediments that are preventing the word of God from being planted in me and from kingdom growth flourishing forth from me? How is the soil of your heart? you're flourishing in kingdom life and growing day by day more and more into the image of Jesus, then praise be to God. Continue to do what you are doing and continue to tend to the garden of your heart so that the growth may abound more and more and more. But if you're not growing in your faith, or if you're not growing in your faith the way that you'd like to be growing, then it'd be wise to ask yourself some of the diagnostic type questions that naturally arise out of this teaching from Jesus. Such as, is the word of God being planted in my heart? Or when I hear it, is it bouncing off of my heart like seed off of the path? Do I understand what the gospel message is really all about? And do I believe that it is actually true? Or is something preventing me from understanding and believing and being transformed? Or you may ask yourself, does my faith have depth and roots? Or is it shallow? Have the difficulties and hardships that I've faced in life driven me deeper into my dependence upon faith? Or have they caused me to doubt my faith, to disbelieve my faith, 
to deconstruct my faith. You may ask yourself, is my faith a top priority in my life? Or are there competing interests that distract me or dissuade me from flourishing? Does my faith have room to breathe in my life? Or is it being choked out by my other passions and priorities? Or other addictions and diversions? If you were to honestly sit with those questions, what would they reveal about the soil of your heart? What would they say about the likelihood or even the possibility that faith would be able to grow and flourish in your life? Now, the good news is that no matter what state you find your heart in, there are always steps that you can take to improve the soil of your heart. Hard soil can be broken up. Shallow soil can be tilled deeper. Soil infested with weeds and thorns can be cleared out and cleaned up. There are disciplines of prayer and study and fasting and worship and community that you can build into your life that will create a softer, deeper, cleaner, healthier, more fertile soil in your heart for faith to grow. The good news of this message is that the soil of your heart can be changed. The bad news about this message is that, as anyone who gardens knows, that can be an awful lot of constant and hard work. Because rocks are ever present in the soil. Weeds constantly and continuously grow back. True gardening work is by the sweat of your brow type of stuff. Is that our only hope to grow in faith? That we roll up our sleeves, get our hands dirty, and work really, really hard? Is it really all up to us? That question leads us to our second parable this morning. Which is found in the same teaching that Jesus is giving just a few verses later. Beginning in verse 26. We're having told the parable of the seed being sown. Jesus then tells the parable about the seed being grown. And in the second parable, Jesus says that the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And and so whereas in the previous parable, Jesus clearly indicated that the growth of the seed was dependent upon the quality of the soil into which it was planted. In this parable, his entire point is that the growth is much more mysterious than that. Here, the quality of the soil is never mentioned. Jesus simply says that when the seed is sown, it goes into the ground and it begins to grow. The farmer has no idea what is happening from that point forward. He has no control over it any longer. Night and day, he sleeps and rises. 
waiting for it to grow. Hoping that it will grow. Expecting, trusting that it will grow. But once the seed goes into the ground, there is nothing that he can do about it but wait. Eventually, Jesus says, the seed sprouts and grows. The farmer knows not how. The earth seems to produce it by itself. That slow and gradual growth of first the blade barely peeking out of the dirt. Then the ear. Then the full grain in the ear. And until eventually it is mature and ready for the harvest. In this parable, the growth of the seed has nothing to do with the sower. He's just waiting. And it has nothing to do with the soil. The soil isn't even mentioned. And yet, the seed grows. And so Jesus' point in this parable is that God is both mysteriously and faithfully at work bringing forth a harvest whenever His Word goes forth. It's like the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. As the rain and the snow come down from the heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it forth. What this parable is telling us is that God is always at work through His Word. It is living and active, the Scriptures tell us. So it always accomplishes its purpose when it is sent forth into the world and into our hearts. And so in this second parable, Jesus tells us that the growth of the seed happens all on His own. Once it goes forth, God makes it grow. And when we put these two parables together, what we seem to have is a contradictory picture. Where in one sense the growth is dependent upon the quality of the soil. That if the soil's not right, then the seeds won't grow. And in another sense, growth is dependent upon the mysterious work of God. And the quality of the soil has nothing to do with it. So which one is it? Is our growth in the faith dependent upon us? And our efforts and our labors and our ability to get the soil of our hearts just right? Or is our growth in the faith dependent upon God? To the point that no matter what we do with our hearts, it's going to happen how God wants it to happen one way or another. According to the teachings of Jesus and to the authors of the New Testament, the answer to both of those questions is yes. The testimony of Scripture says that both of those statements are true. Dallas Willard, who was a Christian philosopher and writer and one of the 20th century's leading voices on on Christian spiritual formation, on growth in the Christian life, he captured this dynamic found throughout the Scriptures with this summary phrase, that in regard to our spiritual growth, we cannot Do it without God. And He will not do it without us. Hear that again. In regard to our spiritual growth, we cannot 
do it without God. He will not do it without us. And if you think about it, this makes perfect sense of both the many New Testament exhortations that instruct us to work hard and to make every effort in regards to our faith. As well as the many promises throughout scriptures that God is the one who is accomplishing his purposes in this world and in our lives. We are called to tend to the soil of our hearts. All the while God promises to bring about the change that is necessary within us. This dual dynamic, I think, was beautifully and succinctly uh, portrayed in our uh, New Testament reading this morning. Out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where, where Paul, discussing his work in the church, said, I planted seeds, Apollos watered seeds, but God gave the growth. And then Paul quickly acknowledges that, that neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but, but only God who gives the growth. It's ultimately all about him. And yet, he gives us the privilege to participate in his work, in the world and in our lives. This is why our, our vision statement here at Redeemer is that we would be a people who participate with Christ in the redemption of all things. He is the one who is doing all of the redeeming. And yet we somehow have the privilege and the responsibility of playing a role in that redemptive work. Even in the redemptive work that he's doing in our own lives of faith. So in this season of ordinary time, as we consider the question of the growth of faith, the good news is that if you want to grow deeper, more mature, more rooted and sturdy in your life of faith, there is something that you can do about it. You can tend to the soil of your heart. You can break up hard ground in prayer. You can till shallow soil to make it deeper through the study of God's Word. You can clear out thorny and weed-infested soil through the practice of spiritual disciplines that create space in your life for your faith. There are things that you can do. There are steps that you can take. There is work that can be done that will foster spiritual growth in your life. So the good news is that there are things that you can do to grow in your life of faith. The even better news is that it's ultimately not dependent upon you and your efforts. In the end, whether you get the pH levels in the soil of your heart just right or not, whether you do that or not, God is the one who is going to give the growth. In the end, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. It may be far slower than we'd like. Seeds may germinate underground for a long, long time where it seems like there is absolutely nothing happening and we're just Waiting, hoping, day and night, day and night. 
Our growth may be slow. And it won't happen all at once. At once. We, we won't just suddenly arrive at Christian maturity. Our growth and progress will be incremental. First a blade that you can barely see popping up out of the soil. Then an ear, then a grain in the ear. And in fact, we'll never be complete on this side of glory. We'll never feel like we've arrived because we won't be done growing until the day of the harvest. It'll be that day by day, often imperceptible growth all the way until the very end. But in the end, we will be complete. For we will be like him, John tells us, because he will have made us so. Church, this is our hope in ordinary time. As we journey through it in this season and throughout the rest of our lives, because it will all be lived in ordinary time. May we participate with Christ in his redemptive work in us, doing everything that is within our power to grow in our lives of faith. Keep planting seeds in your heart. Keep watering seeds in your heart. Till the soil of your heart every day. Do everything in your power to create a soil that's receptive to the Word of God and to kingdom growth. But through it all, Do it, resting and trusting in the certainty that God has done and He is doing everything that we need in order for us to become more like Him. For God's glory and for our good. Amen.